0: A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com.
1: I think people, me included, I feel very guilty to laugh at the news because I want to laugh. I'll be watching CNN and I'll want to laugh, but then I feel guilty that I'm laughing at actually something that's happening. And with everything going on, it's like, I love that this show, people, you can laugh here without guilt. You know, (laughs) feel free Mm. to take that laughter and direct it towards our show, you know, because this is a guilt-free zone where you can laugh if you feel guilty laughing at the news.
0: Hello, and welcome to The Last Laugh. My name's Matt Wilstein, and I'm a senior writer at The Daily Beast. My guest for this episode is the hilarious and talented actor, Tony Hale. You know him as Buster Bluth on Arrest Development, which just returned for what is likely its final batch of episodes on Netflix. More on that later. And he won two Emmys for playing Gary Walsh on Veep, which just aired its final season premiere on HBO this past Sunday night. I'm so excited for you to listen to my conversation with Tony, who I have to tell you is so different from his iconic characters in person that it's almost jarring. And that is a good thing, because Buster and Gary are both deeply awkward people, and Tony is anything but. So without further ado, this is The Last Laugh with today's guest, Tony Hale. So you were telling me um, before we started recording that you were just mm-hmm.
1: in, in Vegas with your Veep cast. Uh, so yeah. what, what, what was that like? I know we went... For, actually, it was about a month ago we went, and it was so fun. We all adore each other a little too much. And we had actually just finished shooting. <laughs> and I think it was probably two weeks later we were like, we, we need to hang out again. Mm. So we went to... Vegas and stayed at this place called the Nomad Hotel, which was so nice. Yeah. And, I don't know, we just all gambled and um, just like ate and hung out and we just can't get enough of each other. Who all was there? It was, who who, who came? Well, Julia was shooting a, a movie and so it was, um, let me think, it was Tim Simons and his wife, Matt Walsh and his wife, and... Me and my wife, and if I'm forgetting somebody, I'm going to be killed. But I think that was it. <laughs> and are you all was... big,
0: big gamblers? Or, uh, I like or what did you get machine. into? Yeah.
1: I, uh, there's almost like a meditative <laughs> place. I get into a slot machine, which is very scary. But um, I just like Matt and Tim liked playing uh, blackjack, and that gives me anxiety. Mm-hmm. I don't like that. But there's something about just a slot machine that I can just stare at. However, one time I was in Vegas and there, I remember going with my wife, and we were sitting next to this sweet old lady, and she had a bucket of quarters, and we were kind of. It was like one in the morning. We started talking to her, and she says, "Ah, I'm getting married in the morning," and we were like, "Oh my god, why are you? Why are you here?" And she goes, "Man, I've got to make the rent," and I was like, "Honey, we got to get to bed." That is (laughs) dark. That's dark, man. But it's still fun. You give yourself a limit. Like, I kind of give myself, like, all right, I'm going to spend $40, and if I go below that, then I'm done. Mm-hmm. You know?
0: That's pretty conservative, I would yeah, say. Yeah,
1: I try it. <laughs> I want to thank you for giving me the microphone that's yellow because that's my favorite color. Oh, I'm I appreciate so glad. That. I'm I appreciate so glad. that. You did some research on me. Yeah, I
0: did. Your watch is yellow. I and see my watch it is fun. yellow. Yeah, it matches your watch. That's the, the listeners can't see that, but you could imagine oh, it.
1: It's amazing. <laughs>
0: Um, so yeah, for you guys, uh, Veep is, is over, but for, for the viewers, it's kind of just, just beginning, um, this final season. Yeah. Um, so what, what was it like, uh, getting back, uh, to the show after, cause I know you had a longer break yeah. than usual. So what was it kind of like getting back with everybody and, and back into, into Gary?
1: Uh, it's always fun. It was a, this was bittersweet because we, uh, again not to kind of gush but we care about each other so much we have such a good time together and knowing this was the last season was like ah that stings yeah um however it was also like it was both bittersweet and incredibly joyous because of what julia had just walked through with her own journey her own health journey and Mm -hmm. and so we were all very happy to be back together um and also excited to see how dave mandel was going to wrap up the show and it's pretty satisfying so um I don't know, but each time an episode went by, we were like, ah, we got three more. Ah, we got two more. and Ah, we got one more. And then we just all just cried on that last, on that last episode. Yeah.
0: I mean, you were, you were delayed as you, as you alluded to because of Julie Louis-Dreyfus mm-hmm. illness. Um, she had breast cancer and I know has just, you know, said that she's uh, cancer free. So that's, mm-hmm. that's really great. Um, yeah. As someone who's worked so closely with her now for, for many years, I mean, what was it like to, for you to kind of watch her go through that and not really know, you know, what, what was going to happen?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's always, it was, um, it's never, I mean, I think it's always hard to watch a friend walk through that, but at the same time, it was um, so inspiring, I guess, I mean, not to sound cliche, but so inspiring to watch her attitude through it, because it wasn't, obviously, she's a fighter, but she does that fighting with humor, Mm -hmm. and um, always thinking forward, never letting, um, never letting it get her. I mean, of course it gets you down, but, um, she always just, uh, kept going. And I think, uh, that's cause the thing, I mean, it's just tough, man. I mean, it's, she never allowed herself to spiral. Yeah. And it, it would be when you're faced with that kind of, uh, of a challenge. I mean, it's really tough to stay positive. And she, she made a, a daily choice to do that. You know,
0: at the beginning of this new season, uh, how do you feel like? Uh, since since there has been some time that's gone by, uh, how do you feel like Gary's relationship with with Selena has has evolved or, or changed uh, since we since we last saw him, or 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 even yeah. since the since the beginning of the of the series?
1: I mean, unfortunately for him, but fortunately for me, as someone who's performing it, it, hasn't changed much. Mm-hmm. It has actually gotten well, it has changed. It's just gotten worse. And I've, I've seen a picture of codependence get sicker and sicker and sicker. Mm -hmm. The first season I remember I was asked to, um, break up with her boyfriend for her. Mm -hmm. And I remember thinking, Oh, wow, this is a, that's a level of codependence. I've, I've never experienced, you know, I've never seen. And then when it gets worse and I'm asked to throw, you know, there's all, there's like this secret that happened between us on labor day and nobody knows about it. And something dark happened and then i see how many kind of uh, things how how abusive she is over the years and how just like a a dog returning to its vomit i go back you know and it's like and it's 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 just like almost like an abusive spouse like i just have no recollection of how abusive she was to me I just kind of bounce back in a very unhealthy way so you kind of I you I see new more and more levels of the dysfunction mm-hmm. and so it just it's fun to play but for him you're just like wow that he's gonna wake up one day and realize where was 25 30 years of my life where I was just empty of myself but just serving this monster you yeah know? and I don't know if he's ever gonna have that awakening
0: Yeah. The thing that struck me watching the first few episodes of the new season is uh, how kind of gossipy they are with each other Mm. now and how kind of um, it's almost there's a closeness between them that even uh, that I think is is different from that, um, you know, sadness that you're that you're describing or or darkness that you're describing. So it's almost there is a kind of fun to it for him, too, it seems.
1: Yeah. And he he really cares about her really cares about her. And I think she cares about him, but she never really wants to admit it. Mm -hmm. I think she never really wants to open that part inside of her. Um, So she's just, her default is always to be abusive or always to see him as less than her and all this kind of stuff. But the way she depends on him, um, you can really see that there's a deep need for him in her life.
0: Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm curious because there have been, you know, obviously some people making, uh, you know, comparisons between Selena Meyer and, and Donald Trump. Yeah. If you've ever thought about whether there is a, a, a Gary of Trump world, someone who is, who is that loyal to the, to the president, uh, <laughs> in, in the same way that, that Gary is to Selena.
1: I know Gary wouldn't survive in the Trump administration. I, I think there's something about, um, I don't know if, cause there's a lot Well, I mean, I, I can't speak to, I don't know. I I know that with Gary, I think there's a lot of mother issues going on. And Mm -hmm. so he kind of stays because there's so much, uh, pain in him of like his own mom, I think. And so she's replaced that. And so he's trying to work that out with her with Trump. I don't know. I don't know what, where that would go. Um, but uh, but again, here's the thing: Selena puts up with Gary because he's pretty absent-minded. I don't know if Trump. I mean, I think Trump would like he, he does everybody. I think he would fire him after two days.
0: Yeah, but he he would appreciate the the sort of undying loyalty uh, of Gary that that yeah. goes beyond everyone else in in Selena's circle. You know, he everyone else uh, we see insult her behind her back and and yeah. all that. And Gary really we really never see that from him. That he's he's just this no. you know purely. Purely loyal, uh, and it's servant. also
1: blasphemy if anybody talks about her. Right, like you don't, you do not speak of his god like that. Like Selena <laughs> is his god, and it's if you ever say anything cross about her, he will just immediately defend her. You know, or just laugh it off. Um, but I remember, I think it was the end of the fourth season when she did not end up becoming president, and he was so furious at her team of the missed opportunity. Because they had gold in their hands that they Mm -hmm. were, that was so ready to be delivered to the country and they fucked it up, you know? And it's like, how could you have that opportunity and miss it? I mean, you guys are idiots. (laughs) And so he was incredibly passionate about that.
0: Yeah. He really believes that she would be a great president.
1: Oh, she, he, he's, and also I don't, he doesn't understand why the country hasn't handed her the presidency. She's the obvious queen. You know, she's she's the obvious choice to run the country. And that's what I love about just how, because anytime me as Tony would question, how does this guy stick around? Like, how does he not see this? But I think there are so many situations in life where I remember, I mean, I won't give details, but there are friends of mine or where they're so blinded to how somebody is treating them. Mm Mm-hmm. And you're like, wait, do you not see this? This is, all of your friends are seeing this. And they're like, no, no, they'll change. They'll come around. They do this a lot. Da, 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 da. And you're like, no, no, this is abuse. Like, this is happening. But they're just completely blinded to it, you know? Do you think it makes it easier for you to play
0: it because it is Julia and, and she is such a, uh, a likable and, you know, um... Hilarious person, despite the the awful character that she's yeah. playing.
1: Well, yeah, and that's the that's the um, the talent of Julia is she can do this monster, but then you just w- want to keep watching, and it's uh, so much of it is um, her timing and uh, how she can turn things so quickly. Um, my favorite thing with her is just all the subtleties that we can have between each other, you know. I'm going to miss that. Like there was this one scene this last year where I was getting her ready for the day and I was kind of helping her put on her shoes and zipping up her dress and getting her stuff. And it was this like, um, it be, all it became a dance mm-hmm. where she expected something from me. Um, I knew that she expected something from me and I was right there to catch her purse or I was right there to hand her something or put on her shoes and... When we did it three or four times, I was like, oh, I want to keep doing this. And it's like it became its own comic dance. Mm-hmm. And so I, I those kind of little things I'm really, really going to miss because it's fun to do those together.
0: How has that changed since when you the first season of the show? I mean, were you intimidated by her uh, more at that point? I mean, she, she wasn't someone that you knew well, I, I assume, yeah. when you started.
1: No, I had met her um well, the, the, uh, the ironic thing <laughs> is we were – she did a guest spot on Arrested Development where she played the blind lawyer. Oh, yes. Maggie Lizer. Yeah. And on two separate occasions, um, some, e- somebody asked each of us if we, if we worked together on Arrested Development. And both of us separately said, no, we didn't have any scenes together. <laughs> and then someone sent us a screenshot of us in a scene together speaking <laughs> to each other. <laughs> So clearly, we made no impact on each other's lives back then, <laughs> um, but I know we had met. And but another thing that Julia, a gift that she gives to her cast, is she is just incredibly grounded, and so she does not. There's not. A, there's there's not a, a hierarchy set when you meet her. She's a team player, and so. That's what's a bummer about this business. Many times is there's there's a lot of arrogance. There's a lot of entitlement. There's a lot of like, okay, who's number one on the call sheet, and that person, you know, whatever has everything or whatever. But it, many times that kind of um, pride or selfishness can just suck creative energy out of a space, and everybody's walking around on eggshells around the star. Julia's just the opposite. Like she really created this family environment, so we all felt we were not intimidated. We were all just like, hey, we're all in this together. Let's, let's make a fun show.
0: Mm-hmm. The other thing that I always think about um, with her in this show is the episode where she did the whole thing from, from bed, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. which I, I believe was, was her idea because she just wanted to, to do an episode from bed. What do you, what do you remember about uh, Is that <laughs> about when I was that? sick?
1: Is that when Gary was sick?
0: I'm trying to remember. She was maybe you both were sick, but she was in bed and and you, and you weren't.
1: Yeah, I think because there was. Let me think a minute. Oh, 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 oh. Yes, yes, yes. Because there was two, t- <laughs> there was two times. I think it was season three where she took too much St. John's Wort and she got kind of drugged up mm-hmm. and she became very positive and she told Gary everything he wanted to hear right. because his fortieth birthday was coming up and she's like, I can't wait to go home with you and dance all night. And Gary's like. Ah, uh, this is my nirvana. <laughs> I'm having an out of body experience, and then obviously she sobered up and was just like, "You're an asshole," and what was I saying? But Gary was just holding on to those words, um, and so. But there was also another time when I Gary was sick, and she. It was such a beautiful picture of our relationship because she had good intentions that she wanted to be seen as someone who was serving her servant, mm-hmm. so she. Chopped up a chicken sandwich in the refrigerator and (laughs) threw it over just some, just like old pasta. Yeah. And then delivered it to me in bed. And I was like, this is, and I was trying to put on a good face. And I said, is there blue cheese in there? This, And she's like, (laughs) no, there's no blue cheese. And it was obviously mold. But then she goes on to tell me how the chef (laughs) made her this gorgeous poached salmon (laughs) and all this stuff while I'm eating this just like disgusting meal but her intention was like, she wants to be seen this, but then she just cannot play it out. She can't act it out because she's, you know, just the worst. Oh my god! Yeah. This looks delicious. Okay. What
0: is it? I cut up a chicken sandwich and I put it into pasta.
1: What? Is this the chicken sandwich that was in the fridge before the hospital? Wow, and you left a bun on it when you cut it. <laughs> Well, you don't have to finish it if you no, don't think no, it's. No, no, no! I can't wait to swirl my fork in there and get mm-hmm. in. Let me see. Mmm. <laughs> smells sort of
0: funky,
1: though. No. Mm. That's the blue cheese. <clears throat> no, but there isn't any blue cheese in
0: it. <laughs> and the fact that she made it for you made it a uh, oh, made you course. want to eat it. Of course. And and
1: and her, <laughs> she would constantly say like well, I did this for you. Do you not see this? Do you not see this? And he's like, oh, of, oh, yes, yes, of course. I, thank you so much. While he's like, you know, having a virus in his stomach because of the chicken. <laughs> uh,
0: the new season... Um is sort of corresponding with the start of the Democratic primary for 2020. Oh yeah, and there's a lot of parallels in the in the season about that. And these and she's you know running against various different candidates mm. who are jumping in the race. And another candidate seems to be at, coming on you know every yeah. even like multiple per, per episode. Right. Um, do you do you think there's anything that that the uh, Democratic candidates can can learn from from watching this final season of Veep?
1: Um. Ooh, that's a tough one. Um, I think one thing that. I think Veep prides itself on is you never really know which party she's in. And um, it's, we kind of, to me, it kind of, the show really, yes, it's about politics, but it's really also just about office politics, about everybody's trying to just get ahead and they'll stab whoever they have to to get ahead and just all the pretty much high school behavior that happens in that situation. So I don't know if, I don't know if there's any tips that, can be learned from our show because all you see is just people just at their worst. Um, I think the way I see my, the way I think what gets me the most excited about Veep is, (laughs) is in the political climate that we're in right now, um, with, you know, all this stuff that's happening I think people, me included, I feel very guilty to laugh at the news because I want to laugh. I'll be watching CNN and I'll want to laugh, but then I feel guilty that I'm laughing at actually something that's happening. Right. And with everything going on, it's like, I love that this show, people, you can laugh here without guilt. You know, <laughs> Feel free mm. to take that laughter and direct it towards our show. You know, Because this is a guilt-free zone where you can laugh if you feel guilty laughing at the news. Um so I don't recommend any politicians taking tips from our show but like you can use it as an outlet.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think there there's been a lot of talk over the course, you know, of the past few years with this show that it, it's perhaps become harder to make a show like this, yeah. a political show like this funny because everything in in real life is so over the top. Have yeah. you have you noticed that? Do you feel like the show has gotten more outrageous in response to the times, or or any way that it, it's kind of um, reacted to to the reality that's happening.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think Dave Mandela has talked about this a lot, but it's like you almost can't try to compete with what's happening, you mm-hmm. know, or it's just then it it's too insane to try and compete with it. Um, so it's all about just trying to do your own story and her story. Um, I mean, the fact is, if if the veep writers and i've mentioned this before but if the veep writers wrote a character like donald trump two or three years or four years ago hbo would have been like no that character's way too broad mm-hmm. that's no one is going to believe that and so and then you see something being lived out in life and you're like oh wow that's a that's not a television show <laughs> you mm-hmm. know that's actually happening so it's it's and then we've also done stories um, where, um, of course, I know I'm now blanking on all of them, but like we've done a story, and then like months later, we'll see something similar to that come out in the news. And then the writer's like, maybe we should stop writing because we don't want to, you know, for this stuff to come true. <laughs> Predict the future, yeah. yeah.
0: Coming up after the break, Tony breaks down how he uses his anxiety to bring Buster Bluth and Gary Walsh to life. Um, so, you know, obviously it was a long time, uh, a long break, uh, between seasons on Veep now, but that was nothing compared to the very long break that you had between the original Arrest Development oh, run yeah. and then the return <laughs> on Netflix, um, a few years ago. Um, and you've now been playing Buster Bluth for, I want to say, uh, more than 15 years, maybe 16 years. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what is it like to
1: age with a character like that? Um, it's, a uh... Well, it's fun to be able to step back into his shoes, mm-hmm. um, and uh, it's it's chal- I it, at when we first came back, I think it was season four when Netflix first bought brought brought Arrested back. I was, I had a lot of, I was hesitancy about doing it because um, there was just a lot of expectation, right. you know, of kind of people because it, it was a very, it became more beloved after it ended, um, mm-hmm. and so people really, really, really loved it, which I think is great. But, you know, you would kind of don't know if you can match that expectation. And I didn't know if I would be able to, I don't know, get back into what people were expecting. And then I remember hearing Jessica Walter's voice who played Lucille say, Buster. And mm-hmm. she just goes, Buster. <laughs> and it was this kind of like Pavlovian, like, oh, okay, I'm back. You know, yeah. <laughs> it was like my chin went back, my arms went back. You know, it was just kind of this... And it's like a muscle memory thing kicked in. Um, but I I go, back to, I go back to Mitch Hurwitz and also you know, Dave Mandel on, on Veep. It's, it really is the framework that the writers give you. Um, and so just what happened with Buster. And it's always exciting to read a new script and be like, all right, so what adventure is he on? And that's where that is very comforting for an actor because you do step into a show and you're like, oh, I don't know if I can pull this off. But then you see the framework they give you. And it's like oh, okay, now I see where he's hap, what's happening, and how to do this, and you know, hopefully I can do it to that they're satisfied.
0: I'm so curious what it's like to read an Arrested Development script because there is just so much <laughs> going on in these episodes and yeah. the time jumps and the, yeah, uh, you know, parallels and and things happening. So is it do you are you able to read those scripts and kind of see it, or does it take? Uh, is it not until you actually see it that you kind of understand how it all fits
1: together? Uh. I would say not. I would say that, and also, um, I I would say <laughs> I was doing a, I think it was this year's Sundance. Uh, I was doing something, and I was doing a podcast in front of an audience, and we were talking about Buster and Arrested Development, and there will be this was like fifteen or sixteen years after this joke happened, but I remember talking about when Buster's hand was taken off and he was in the hospital and the doctor came out and i said to the audience that i said oh and one of my favorite jokes is when the doctor said he's gonna be he's gonna be okay mm-hmm. and it was a and then they're like oh great and then he goes but his his hand was eaten off by a seal <laughs> in certain, and the somebody in the audience said no no it's that he's going to be all right the doctor said he's going to be all right. And it hit me 15 years later that he's saying he's all—he's going to be all right. He's yeah. only going to have a right hand. <laughs> and I was like, well, damn it. I didn't get that joke until 15 <laughs> years later and I was in the show. And that's actually my character. So it's, there's so many things that I just have still to this day, I have not gotten, you know? So it's, it's kind of just like, it's always a, I'm always unfolding new surprises.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's why I think it did make a lot of sense for it to go to Netflix where people can watch Mm -hmm. it over and over again. Whereas I remember, you know, I, I watched the show, um, I was in college, um, when it started Uh and, uh, we would watch it, um, you know, every week. Um, and me and my friends would, were just obsessed with the show, but you would watch it and then. You, you could and you just wait a week and you know you probably never saw we never saw that episode again right 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 right, um, right. and you kind of have to remember what happens and they do a little recap but yeah yeah, um, yeah but it's just it's it's it wasn't that long ago and it feels like a totally I know. different world
1: and it's very uh i just have such admiration for mitch because it's a
0: hey i'm ryan reynolds at mint mobile we like to do the opposite of what big
1: wireless does they charge you a lot
0: Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com.
1: Really, both actually, Veep and they're very dense shows. There's yeah. A, and I think at the time when Arrested started, people. We're used to a dense show when it came to like a crime show or something that it's almost like we all the audience had was used to kind of trying to think of who's who did the who did the murder who's who, who solved the crime like what but when it comes to comedy no one really they weren't used to having having to think that much with comedy it was just kind of very much like you were told when to laugh you know they were very multicams mm-hmm. which is a great thing but this was a very new thing where you really had to pay attention. Like now what are the blue hands on the wall? Oh yeah. He was in the blue man. That was one of my favorite jokes, by the way, <laughs> that Tobias joined the blue man group thinking it was a support group for depressed men. Yeah, And that I just think, God, that's freaking brilliant, you know, <laughs> but then you would have to track like, okay, so he's feather bottom this time. <laughs> you yeah. know, just all this stuff. You yeah. Know? Um, I mean, you've played these
0: two really iconic roles in, in Gary and Buster. Um, and I think maybe they
1: share uh, some qualities oh, yeah. with each other. Um, yeah. How do
0: you think they're they're similar and different? And how do you how do you approach each one?
1: Um, well, I think there's definitely an anxiety. There's a there's a through line of anxiety in their life. Um, uh, I think um, approaching them. I mean, Buster is more um, in a state of paralysis all the time. Like it's he's it's uh, he just gets paralyzed by fear. And um, he's he's also always so overwhelmed. Like anything that happens, he's just constantly overwhelmed. And so he's just looking at life, just wondering what's going to come at him. But then he has these moments of joy, but he's... So I remember Mitch telling me that all Buster wants in life is safety. Mm -hmm. And it really... Everything I did, it really helped that this... if, If he gets freaked out because his safety is threatened. Whereas Gary... All he wants is the love of Selena. And so I would always use that like to in everything I did. And that's why, you know, she would scream at him, but it's like, no, 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 I just want her. I mean, he would, <laughs> it's almost it's so sick that if he, if she were to hit Gary, it's him, it's like, well, at least she's giving me affection. <laughs> at least she's touching me, mm-hmm. you know, because he just was so desperate for her to see him and for him to feel seen by her, you know, and just to, yeah, that. Whereas, Garrett, whereas Buster didn't, he loved his mother, but didn't, if it affected his, he would choose safety over his mother. You mm-hmm. know, he'd never really, uh, he just wanted to be safe. Um, you've talked about how you
0: channel your personal anxiety into your characters, mm-hmm. but I'm curious, how does that work? How does
1: that sort of manifest? Um, yeah, I mean, I think it's a... Uh, w- I think a picture of anxiety many times is like if you see like a cartoon of someone very very nervous or very very anxious and even though Buster and Gary have had these moments but it's it's very broad it's like someone freaking out mm-hmm. or someone like the Tasmanian devil like I can't do that mm-hmm. whereas my anxiety in my life is a very internal battle right and it's something of managing my anxiety and not living in the what if um trying to be present, um, realizing that these scenarios I'm creating in my head are fictional. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think with Buster and Gary, so much of it it is just, it's a very internal fight. Like there's a lot going on in their heads. There's mm-hmm. a lot going on in their heads. So they'll be, sh- like Gary will be standing behind Selena and he was called, <laughs> in the season, I think he was called a bitchy mime once because <laughs> it's so much, he, he can't really speak much. Mm-hmm. But so a lot of his is nonverbal. And so there's a lot going on in his head. And I grew up loving like Bob Newhart mm-hmm. and Tim Conway. And it's almost like they there was so much chaos going on in their lives, but they just, they lived in the tension. They just would find that I would just watch them and they would just live in this very tense space. And I feel like that for me, many times that's how my anxiety is. It's like you're kind of, Learning how to live in the tension of life and kind of sometimes managing the highs and lows, and so that's I felt like Gus, especially Gary, would have to do that a lot, mm-hmm. if that makes sense.
0: Yeah. Um, so you know, you you'd been acting for a, a while before Arrested Development came along. Um, what did what did that um, mean for you, and sort of how did it how did it change your
1: your life? Um, it well, it, yeah, dramatically changed kind of the course of where I was going, but I was doing. Um, I was doing commercials for a very long time in New York, and I really enjoyed doing commercials. I was always the guy—I mean, not much not much different than what I'm doing now, but I was always the quirky guy who wasn't all there. That was yeah. kind of my type, <laughs> and um, just kind of wide-eyed and kind of, kind of dumb, and um, not dumb, but just kind of like, you know, checked out, and so—and <laughs> um, I was really enjoying it, and then—however, I was having a very, very hard time uh, finding a, a TV and film agent— And uh, it was like the last two years I found this manager who really uh, took a chance on me. And that's when the Arrested Development audition came. Um, However, when I got Arrested Development, and I kind of get on a soapbox about this a lot, um, is it. I I learned a lot of lessons from that because that was my dream and I had a moment when I got it when it didn't satisfy me the way I thought it was going to satisfy me. Mm -hmm. And I talk about this a lot and I enjoy talking about this because I think I got my dream and it scared me because it didn't satisfy me the way I thought it was going to satisfy me. And it's because I think that whole time in New York, even though I was enjoying commercials, I was always looking to this big thing of getting a sitcom. I was like, I want a sitcom, I want a sitcom. And I just was never very present in my life. Um, and then and it's that whole thing. If you're not practicing contentment where you are, you're not going to be content when you get what you want. And I got what I wanted, but since I had not been practicing being present, I ha- I gave it too much weight and nothing can match that weight. Yeah. And since then, and after that, my daughter was born. And one thing children having a baby does is it forces you to be present because you have to keep it alive. <laughs> yeah. And I really began to wake up to like, wow, I have those first three years of arrested. I was really overwhelmed because i was i was the whole time thinking i should be feeling something differently and it's because i had just never been very present in my life and so over the course of a lot of therapy and having time to dissect that um it's really woken me up to like just the many ways of kind of being present And i wrote this children's book about it and called archibald's next big thing where He's always focusing on the next thing, and this bee travels around with him and is like, Hey, you got to just be man. <laughs> and, um, and he, well, it starts off, he gets this card in the mail that says, Your big thing is here. And he's like, Where? And he goes on all these adventures. But every time he's on a new adventure, he's like, I got to get to my next big thing. The bee's like, You got to just be man. And he realizes the card is right, that your big thing is right here. Like, my big thing, my big thing right now is me talking to you on this podcast. Mm-hmm. That's my big thing. And the more that I can get into that practice, then, everything else just kind of unfolds, not unfolds, life is still crazy, but I'm not giving all this stuff out there so much weight. You know, does that make sense? Yeah. Sorry, I just turned into like... <laughs> <laughs> but it's like, it was like a big, it was a big lesson for me. And yeah. I'm still learning and I still struggle with it. And I think I talk about it so much because I suck at it. Like it's a, something I have to always remind myself about. Yeah, I mean, especially
0: I would think in, in acting being present is is very important or when you would have to yeah. be doing any improv on, on, you know, on Veep or, or something yeah. like that. I mean, does that help you stay present to do that kind of work?
1: It does, and it does when you, f- like, uh, this is why I appreciate Veep so much is um, w- w- we have such a care for each other and we're so supportive of each other that you feel taken care of. You you um, Like when I'm doing something, I'm not in my head going, is this funny? Is this not funny? Should I do it? Should I not do it? You just kind of do it. You just try it. Mm -hmm. And if it works, it works. If it doesn't, it doesn't. But you kind of tried it in the moment and you're not met with, that's not funny or that didn't work or it's like everybody's in an experimental stage, Mm -hmm. you know, and I just so value that, you know, because you got to like just try it. And if it might work, it might not. But in the moment, just throw it out there. Rather than what I typically would have done of like, oh, I'm not going to even try that because I've already dissected the entire thing in my head and it's going to bomb.
0: Coming up, Tony reveals why he thinks Arrested Development is finally over for good. And yes, we do talk about that infamous New York Times interview. So with Arrested Development, I think the perpetual question is, is, will there be more? Because there has been more again and again over these years. Right. I think that was complicated a bit um, with everything that was going on with Jeffrey Tambor um, and especially after that New York Times interview that Mm -hmm. that um, we all got to read and hear that that made a lot of news uh, last year
1: it's a very amorphous process
0: this this sort of bullshit that we do you know making a fake life it's a weird
1: thing and it is a breeding ground for um, atypical behavior, and certain people have certain processes. But that doesn't mean it's
0: acceptable. And no, the point I, I, is that we're changing, and people, people need to respect each other. I,
1: I just realized in this conversation,
0: I have to let go of the, being angry at him. He never crossed the line on our show with a, any, you know, sexual whatever. Verbally, yes, he harassed me, but I he did apologize. I have to let it go, and I I have to give you a chance to, to you know, for us to be friends again. Absolutely. But it, it's, it's hard because honestly, Jason says this happens all the time. In like almost 60 years of working, I've never had anybody yell at me like that on a set. And it's hard to to deal with it. But I'm, I'm over it now. I just let it go right here for the New York Times. <laughs> <laughs>
1: she didn't give it up for anybody else.
0: You, you know, you personally apologized to Jessica Walter. Um, and I can read what you said. You said... Regardless of my intentions, it is clear that my words, both said and unsaid, serve to minimize Jessica's pain, and for that I am extremely sorry. Um, how do you think about that now? I mean, the way that played out so publicly, and, and just, what did you learn from that experience?
1: Um, yeah, I mean, I think it really comes down to, I, I've had two really great TV families, mm-hmm. and... Um, I love both of them. <laughs> I love I love my arrested development family. We uh that was um we all learned a lot and we're continuing to learn. Um but I really really care about Jessica and we really care about each other. So that was definitely um Yeah, that was that was that was that was just something we all kind of learned from.
0: Mhm. I mean, you you had already shot most of of these most recent episodes when yeah. when that happened, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um and a lot of your scenes are are with uh Jeffrey this this in this second uh-huh. half of the new season. I mean, do you did you feel like you recognized this this man that 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 she was talking about and that, that some of his other, you know, co-stars have talked about?
1: Um I think I I here's the thing. I I guess I wasn't <clears throat> I wasn't in uh, the other show, so I can't speak mm-hmm. to that. Yeah, um, but I I can speak to my experience with with Jeffrey, and I and I and I do love him. I love mm-hmm. him a lot, and I think he's an incredibly talented man. Um, but I can't I can't speak to that other yeah. that other story because yeah, I, I wasn't involved in that.
0: Um, do you, can you see the the show uh, Arrested Development continuing after after this? I mean, how do, um, what do you what do you think will will happen?
1: I don't know. I mean, I, I've, I think I've. There's been, uh, there's been many years when I'm like, oh yeah, we're done, we're done, we're done, and then it kind of, you know, it surprises you, and it, and it, and it pops up again. I mean, I, I would be surprised if it continued. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would be very surprised. Um, because, well, I think it's just. I think the way it ended. I think not, not, not necessarily what you're talking about, but just um, the series, the the how he wrote it, how mm-hmm. it ended. Um, so that's it, it, it's it's been I I don't know it, it just story wise I I don't I don't know how it would how it would continue, but mm-hmm. maybe I mean again I this business is so surprising. I mean there's 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 so many things that um, have 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 popped up that I'm like oh I wasn't expecting that. So I mean, I, I have no idea what's going to happen.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, so obviously, Veep is ending. It sounds yeah. like Arrested might be ending. I mean, is that is that liberating for you as an actor, someone who's been on these shows for so long? Is it scary? What? How do you kind of think about um, how to how to move forward?
1: Uh, I think I go back. To, I mean, I'm I, <clears throat> I'm, try, I'm trying to learn from. Uh, that chicken of just kind of being present mm-hmm. it's, it's actually became uh, a, a cartoon that's going to be in the fall Archibald's the, 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 the children's book yeah that's great and that's now all, he, that's what Netflix too it's right Netflix and now he's a very uh, present chicken mm-hmm. and he sees the best in people and he uh, just doesn't judge and he uh, always is positive and, and yes ands his way through life and I don't know. It's, it's a it's a it's a model that I would like to follow, you know, because mm-hmm. I think it's very easy to live. Um, we're in a business and, and you are as well as a freelancer. It's you don't go up to a dentist and say, oh, what are you doing next? Because mm-hmm. everybody expects it's not like he's going to go. Oh, I'm doing this molar. You know, it's just <laughs> no one really every kind of expects like he'll be a dentist. Yeah. Whereas freelancers, people, you always get that question: "What's next?" Mm-hmm. And so it's actually more of a challenge for me to stay present. Mm-hmm. And so I, I think I'm just going to continue, continue practicing that.
0: Well, not to make you look into the future too much, but what <laughs> uh, are there things that you that you really want to do? I mean, is drama something that you've thought about as, as something that you want to yeah. do after doing so much comedy? I mean, I, comedy? I love.
1: I that's uh, we were talking earlier about South by Southwest and and. Uh, I love. Uh, I I was I was able to do this movie called Sadie, and then at this past Sundance, I was able to do a movie called To the Stars, and play very very different characters than what you know people might know me for. Mm-hmm. Um, and then like this Toy Story coming up, he's like a he's a spork, and he's a he's just it's just like it's so fun to kind of play the different stuff. Um, but yeah, I mean it, it's it's I, I I do get that question a lot, and it's like it's always um, I'm just excited to. Get the opportunity. I mean, it's like if somebody wants me to, it's like great. Let's do it.
0: Yeah. You know? Well, you'll have you'll have more time. You're more available now with these with <laughs> sure. these shows ending.
1: Yeah, but it's been fun because it's this this cartoon is it's a lot. I've, I w- this is my first venture into animation, and it's a lot of a lot of work. But it is so life giving, and just to be able to create all these stories uh, for Archibald, that's just been an absolute joy. Um, and he's also yellow he's <laughs> yellow which I love he also reminds me a little bit of Beaker who is my favorite character in the Muppet show
0: oh yeah why was he your favorite character
1: I don't know he just maybe he's, he's kind of like a Gary on Veep where he just he would just always <laughs> have these hilarious facial reactions and he would just kind of go meh, 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 and he wasn't <laughs> able to talk so you just saw the panic in his eyes <laughs> uh, so I really I don't know I just always thought he was funny
0: um, you mentioned uh, *Toy Story 4*. Uh, I just saw the the trailer for that uh, came out today while we're talking, um, and you're playing uh, Forky, who's Forky, kind of yeah. the new big character in *Toy Story* in the *Toy Story* world. Mm-hmm. And what, what was it like, kind of going into into that world and and working with all with oh all those my guys? Gosh.
1: It's such a, I mean, it's it's such an honor, man. It's like I, it's one of the things like you don't realize the. When they were, when oh, they offered it to me and said, "You'd let me like to read this," of course you're like, "Yes." Are you kidding? Mm-hmm. Um, and I've seen all the movies. I mean, and all that stuff. But it doesn't really hit you until I see like a trailer, like today, or I see the poster and my character's on there, and I'm like, "Oh, I am a part of this." <laughs> you know. So it's, uh, and he's just a really, uh, I don't know, he's just really fun to do. And, and it's not even just the movie. It's like to meet all the creators. You know, Josh Cooley, all these guys who have been a part of the Toy Story franchise and to know that this Josh Cooley also did Inside Out, which I just is think one of the most brilliant animated films. And so I just to be able to meet those guys and see and just, you know, fawn over them. um, That's been really pretty awesome.
0: Did you get to work uh, with with Tom Hanks uh, directly, or, no, or uh, I, do you record separately, or how's that work?
1: I, I saw. I mean, I, the last time I recorded, he was before me, and he and and I and I came out and, and chatted with him a little bit. He's such a nice guy. But that's even. I'm like, oh, you just recorded Woody, and I'm about to. You know, I'm just like, <laughs> what's at like what's happening right now? Can somebody just tell me what's happening? <laughs> so it was just pretty, uh, pretty cool.
0: Um so before we wrap up uh one thing that that I like to do is kind of go through um some of the some of your credits that we that we didn't get to talk about and oh, with sure. you I think this is you have a very interesting uh early career you mentioned commercials before you you did arrested development but you also appeared on some of the most iconic uh TV shows uh, of the 90s mm. which people might not know <laughs> so what I want to do is kind of go through some of okay. these and see if you have any Memories that jump out, or or stories, or just sort of what what the what the first thing that comes to mind when you think about these mm-hmm. these projects. Uh, so you were on Dawson's Creek. Um, what, I was what was your S- uh, what was your role oh, on is... that, and and what do you remember from that experience?
1: Um, I don't remember a lot. I mean, it's that was like oh, that was almost twenty years ago. I, I know I was a doctor. That was one of my <laughs> first gigs. I was living in. Um, well, I just moved to New York, and, but I had lived in Virginia for a while before then, and Dawson's Creek shot in Wilmington, North Carolina. And I remember when I was living in Virginia, we would drive like five hours for a role on Dawson's Creek. And so, and it was like for a one line thing, but everybody so badly wanted to be on Dawson's Creek. Well, anyways, I got this doctoral. I was super excited. And then I, I remember really um, thinking, oh, maybe like James Vanderbeek and I will be buddies. <laughs> <laughs> and then I said something really, really stupid. I think, and he just probably, but he's such a nice guy, but, you know, I'm sure I was just a weirdo. <laughs> uh,
0: another show people might not re- remember uh, that you were on is The Sopranos, uh, mm-hmm. which has been talked about recently because uh, it had a big uh, anniversary and everyone's yeah. kind of been going back and rewatching The Sopranos and talking about it. Is it, it. the 20th? Is it the 20th? I wasn't going to say because I wasn't sure, but, um, yeah, I think it might be the, the 20th yeah. uh, anniversary. Um so what so what what was that experience like? I mean was did you kind of know at that point? That must've been a big deal that show, you know, getting a getting a role on that on that show.
1: Um, yeah, it, that it was a very when I was living in New York it was a huge hit and I was I was I remember just auditioning and I was uh, uh, Uncle Junior's nurse oncologist.
0: There's a theme here, doctor <laughs> nurse. Doctor nurse
1: <laughs> and I was giving him his cancer treatment or his his chemotherapy. And again, I was, I just, I remember sitting in my dressing room from that right on the stages and it was at Silver Cup Studios in Queens. And I remember sitting in my room and thinking, keep your shit together, Hale, just keep it together. (laughs) And, and just kind of walking out and doing it. I remember I had to deal with a needle, not a real needle, but look like I was giving him something. And I was like, just, just please don't shake. Just please don't <laughs> let your hands shake, because the last thing you need is a nurse oncologist whose hands shake. <laughs> um, and thankfully, I guess they didn't.
0: Um, and then finally, uh, Sex and the City um, was the other big HBO show of, of that time. So those are those were two uh, yeah. eight big HBO
1: projects pre Veep. Um, what What was that one like? I was the character Tiger. And I was the photographer's assistant to the guy who was taking nude photos of uh, Kim Cattrall's character. And I think what I remember from that is going up to Kim and apologizing that I had to stare at her all day, because um, I felt bad. I just kind of had to stare at her, and she wasn't fully naked, but I just I felt bad about it. And I went up to her, and I think she thought I was a freak. <laughs> so I've had a lot of I've had a lot of things where people think I'm a little off. Um, and that was one of them.
0: (laughs) Have you run into any of the people that you worked with on, on those shows, uh, in the years since? No, I've never run
1: into Kim Cattrall. I've run into James Vanderbeek, and we laughed about me, (laughs) me thinking, me being an ass to him. (laughs) Um, and then, uh, nobody from the Sopranos, no.
0: Um, and then the last thing, um, is, uh, what, what's the, what's the, what's the last thing that made you? laugh really hard it could be a um, a movie a a TV show uh, something in real life uh, anything that you can think of that that, that made you laugh really hard
1: there is okay I'm so glad you asked this because I I watched this one little snippet on loop there's a show called characters on Netflix where Mm, these different comic actors will do different characters and there's this actress named Kate Berlant she is so funny and she plays this character where she's like this hoity-toity artist in New York and there's this scene where John Early is coming in and he's playing her assistant. And he comes in to drop off her dry cleaning. And she's laying on the floor in like this really pretentious, like trying to get into her energy or whatever like that, This playing this artist character. And she sits up and scares him. And he lets out this scream that is so organically terrified <laughs> and is so, it's just, it is the funniest thing. And my wife and I p- press that. 10 second back thing or whatever you do on (laughs) Netflix Um, over and over and over because it is such a real scream that is so hilarious. So I encourage everybody to watch that on loop because it is so funny.
0: (laughs) All right. Well, Tony, thank you so much for uh, for for doing this today and uh, hopefully I'll talk to you again soon.
1: Yes, yes, yes. Thank you very much. All right.
0: Thank you so much to Tony Hale for being my guest today on the last laugh. You can see him in all five seasons of Arrested Development on Netflix right now and on the final season of Veep, which airs every Sunday night at 10.30 p.m. on HBO and can be streamed on HBO Go and HBO Now. This June, you can hear him as Forky in Toy Story 4. If you enjoy the show, please tell your friends and rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. You can find me on Twitter at Matt Wilstein and at TheDailyBeast.com. The Last Laugh is distributed by Himalaya Media for The Daily Beast. It is produced by Jason Smith for Starburns Audio and Scott Porch for Himalaya Media. And our engineer is Mackenzie Mazell. Our music is by Claude, who you can find on Instagram at claude.mp3. You can find the show every week on Apple Podcasts, the Himalaya app, or wherever you listen to podcasts. You can find show notes and highlights from each episode on thedailybeast.com. See you next week.